Okay, so we've been talking the last few weeks about this topic of stress and really kind of the, the underlying question that we've been asking and trying to process together is simply this. Is stress just inevitable? I mean, if, is it just part of the human experience? Is it just a reality that there are going to be moments in life that are disappointing, that there's going to be times and when what I planned and what I hoped for just isn't going to turn out the way that I thought? Is it just part of being human that every so often within our lives, you and I are going to be deeply and profoundly stressed? Or is it possible that stress is more about how I decide to navigate those moments which are disappointing and out of line with what I was hoping? And could it be? that the stress that you and I feel God never intended to be a normal part of your and my human experience, that He would say to you and I, there's actually the opportunity to navigate some of the hardest moments of life and not be stressed out of your mind about those moments. There's where we're going. It's been crazy as we unpacked. It's been a little bit scary on times, but we're having that conversation together some of you have heard me tell this story before. I've chosen to kind of use it again just because I believe this story just lands this conversation that you and I are having on this topic. A guy that grew up in my youth group, I was a youth pastor for years and years, uh, by the name of Billy Bush, uh, is actually now a pastor at Rock Point over uh, in Power Ranch. And a few years ago, uh, Billy Bush was trying to teach his uh, son, Jaden, to swim. And they had taken him in the pool countless times. The thought was, we've got a swimming pool in the backyard. Our little boy needs to know how to swim. So just in case there's a moment he's unattended, gets into the back, he can at least tread water. And uh, so they had tried just about everything they knew to teach him. And Jaden was just having none of it. He was terrified of the water. He didn't want to learn uh, how to swim. And so finally, uh, they said, you know, we're, we're not going to get this done. Let's just get him lessons. And they didn't just even go get YMCA lessons. They actually went and got a professional swimming teacher to teach Jaden uh, how to swim. And the interesting thing was the teacher was able to teach him how to swim, but the minute the teacher was out of the pool, the minute the teacher was away, Jaden was terrified again. And although he had mastered the strokes and knew what he had to do, he was hanging on the side of the pool. And so Jaden's version of swimming was, was doing this around the perimeter of the pool. So Bill and his wife Carrie, uh, being the good parents that they are, uh, kicked into Parenting 101. And uh, so they decided to bribe Jaden into swimming. And they began to say, no, Jaden, if, if you'll just swim to the other side and swim back, we'll buy you a son's jersey. That's all you got to do, just one time, cross and back, son's jersey. To which Jaden's answer was, no. So now parenting 201 kicked in. And they decided to threaten and they said, okay, so here's the deal, Jaden. If you don't swim, you're never going to eat again the rest of your life. <laughs> to which Jaden's answer was, no. By this point, Bill's pretty exasperated with his son. He gets down in front of Jaden and he says to him, Jaden, you're not going to understand what I'm about to do. But just remember that I love you into the deep end of the pool. And for the first few moments, James, 
arms flailing, legs kicking. And then suddenly, Jaden breaks into perfect swimmer's form, hits up on the surface of the water, swims to the side of the pool. As Jaden gets out of the pool, Bill is expecting him to say, thanks, Dad. Instead, Jaden looks at his father with that look. You know which look I'm talking about. That look that only a child can give that's like, you wait till I am older and bigger than you, and you're asleep. <laughs> Jaden then storms into his room. Carrie, Bill's wife, watching this whole thing, says, what in the world were you thinking? And Bill says, I was there the whole time. I wasn't going to let the kid drown. But sooner or later, he needed to learn to swim. Now, some of you in here right now are going, dude, Bill is the man. If he ever writes a book on parenting, I'm buying the book. Some of us in the room are going, he needs to be reported to Child Protective Services. I... It's an interesting conversation because as we've been going through this whole series on stress, we've had a whole bunch of people who've tried to grab me or come up front afterwards or got me in the lobby during the week and just said, Look, I think I get it. I think I'm landing this conversation that we're having about stress. But, but what do you do in the moments when it feels like the things that are stressing you are God-given? What do you do in the moments when it just, it just seems like, it just feels like, that the things which are most disappointing, most frustrating in your life, there's just a, a sense of it that, that God brought it into your life? I mean, would God do that? Would, would God purposely bring stressful things into it? Would God ever do that? You get what they're asking. They're saying, is our Heavenly Father the type of father who would throw his kids into the deep end of the pool? Would God do that with us? And the answer? Absolutely. 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 That there are moments, you ready for this? There are moments within our walk in which God says to us, look, look, look. We've been talking about this long enough together. We, we've been working on this. And, and the reality is uh, we should be way, way further down the road than we are right now. And in your stubbornness, in your absolute refusal with me, we're stuck on the edge of the pool. And, and you may not understand what I'm about to do, and, and what I'm about to do may just terrify your heart, but we're going to learn to swim. You say, well, Lynn, wow, I mean, why would God do that? When, when would God do that within my life? He'd do it in moments of stubbornness. He'd do it in moments of our life where you and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that what we're doing is absolutely disobedient to Him. That, that we would be in a moment and say, look, I, I get it. I get, that, I get that that's completely a violation of Scripture. I get that I'm not supposed to be doing it. But my answer? No. No. See, it's the young lady who says, no, I know. 
I know I'm not supposed to be sleeping with my boyfriend. But if I don't, I'll lose him. So God, look, 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 look. I know, I know, I know. My answer is no. It's the guy who spends late hours of the night on the internet. He says, yeah, I, I, I get, I get it. I get, I, I get that if you were, God's probably not honored with me looking at pornography. But you don't, you don't get it. I deserve it. I mean, I mean my wife's this or that. Every other part of my life's okay, so my answer, God, no. Just no. You can work in any other part of my life. You and I can have a discussion about anything else, but in that particular topic, that particular moment, my answer is no. It's the gal who goes, I, no, I, I know, I know it's gossip, I know it's gossip, but you know what, that's just kind of how my friends and I relate to each other. That's kind of what we do, and deep down, we're not trying to be that malicious about it. I, I get it, but I get it. I get that if you really boiled it down, God would probably say, but here's my answer, no. God, I get it. I get that I abuse alcohol and that I, 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 I know, I, no. And in those moments, in, in the moments in which you and I just simply say to God, look, no, you and I shouldn't be surprised that our Heavenly Father bends down in front of us and says, look, you're not going to like what I do next. You're not going to understand what I do next. But you're going to learn to swim. Matter of fact, if you have your Bibles, grab them with me real quick and uh, go to the book of Jonah because there's a story of a man who tries to say, no, I know it's wrong, I know what you want me to do, but no, in his life. If you're not real familiar with how to get there, if you just go to the center of your Bible, you're going to find this book of Psalms. Start working to the right, you go about 70 pages, you're going to find this book of Jonah. Don't go too fast, it's not a very big book. And while you're going there, let me catch you up. Most of us in this room have probably heard the story of Jonah, but I'm not sure we've caught the context of what God's doing because God's getting ready to throw Jonah in the deep end. Here's the story. Jonah is a prophet of God, and God has come to him with a fairly straightforward, simple request. He said, Jonah, I need you to go preach to the people in Nineveh and warn them that if they don't repent, judgment's coming. And Jonah's answer was simple, no. See, we don't have the background, we don't know the detail, but we do get the idea that somewhere the relationship between the people of Nineveh and the people of Israel has become strained. I don't know if there was political issues going on. I don't know if they cheated each other in a contract. I don't know, but at the end of the day, Jonah's answer is, look, I don't even like the Ninevites. I don't even want to be in the room with those guys. And worse yet, God, I mean, the worst outcome that could happen is if I went and preached to them and they actually repented. Because the truth is, I've been sitting back praying for you to burn them all. And, and, and so if they actually re repent, then you might not burn them, and then I, I wouldn't have the fun. So Jonah says, my answer, God, is no. And then the Bible tells us that Jonah turns and begins to run to the town of Tarshish. And the interesting thing is that if you look on a map, Nineveh is here, and Tarshish is in exactly, I mean, straight on, dead on, the opposite direction. He gets to a seaport of Joppa, hops on a boat, begins to sail across the sea, heading towards Tarshish. 
And those of us that know the story knows what happens next. A huge storm comes up. And in the midst of the storm, the sailors on the ship begin to throw off all of the freight, all the cargo that they're carrying. And when they finish throwing all the freight off, the boat is still being swamped. So now they begin to grab the block and tackle anything on the ship, part of operating the ship, that isn't essential to floating. And they begin to throw it off. Because their attitude is, look, we don't care if we can't get anywhere. We just want to be floating when this thing is done. And they begin to throw the components, the parts of the ship off. That doesn't do it. Now they gather around and begin to throw dice. They begin to throw lots. Because their answer is, look, if throwing off all the freight didn't do it, if throwing off all the parts of the ship did we're going to start throwing people off. And as they roll the lots, Jonah says, guys, you, you, you don't need to do that. The answer is, it's me. The answer is... <laughs> I've got a place of rebellion in my life, and I've sat down and said no to God. You get that God is getting ready to quite literally throw Jonah in the deep end. It's an interesting thing in the story. A fish comes by and swallows Jonah, a whale. I mean, is that weird? Let's just be honest. Is that weird? Okay? Try doing that to you. Tell that to your children sometime. Hey, you better straighten up or God's going to send a big fish. <laughs> you get what God's doing in the moment. It, it, it has nothing to do with the fish. It has to do with what was convenient at the time. We're on the ocean, God said, swallow. If, if, if Jonah had been in the desert right then, it would have been a Gila monster. Ah! Chasing him around. It's whatever was convenient. Because here's what, guys, here's what you got to get. When you say no to God, when I say no to God, God's going to pick whatever it takes to get our attention and toss us in the deep end. You and I do this all the time in parenting. You've got a 13-year-old daughter, and you're trying to get her to clean her room. Her, her room looks like an episode of Hoarders. And you just can't see, you can't even see ground zero. There could be a crime scene on the floor all taped out. You wouldn't know it in your daughter's room. And so you think to yourself, well, I know what I'll do. I'll just tell her she can't sleep in her room anymore. Which for her as a 13 year, she's going, that's great. I'll just go to my sister's room, sleep over. And then if you're a parent worth your salt, you think to yourself, what does it take to get my 13-year-old daughter's attention? Cell phone. See, she's going to scream unfair. She's going to go, hey, whoa, whoa, no, no, wait a minute. I didn't abuse my cell phone. It has nothing. And your, your answer as a good parent is going to be, I don't care you didn't abuse your cell phone. It's where I can get your attention the most. You get that in your and my moments of saying no to God, you and I are going to go, hey, God, well, wait, wait, wait. I know I said no to you. I know I've been disobedient in my relationship. So why are my finances tanking? Because, because, because God will use anything that will get your attention. It doesn't have to be related. And chances are God knew, hey, if he had taken your relationship and started messing with that, you would have defended the person you were with. You would have had all sorts of excuses. It might have even been drawing you closer together as you resisted God as a couple. 
And God goes, no, no, no. I'll just take your finances because that'll, that'll get you on your knees quicker. Parenting 101. Jonah spends three days, three days in the fish. Three days with fishy, oozy smell stuff. How many people here like fish? Can I just say you're wrong? That's just... Three days of fishy, slimy, ooze stuff. Three days of seaweed. Three, three days of digestive juices. You know why it takes Jonah three days? Because he's so stubborn, it was three days before he cried uncle and said, God, I get it. My no needs to be yes. Matter of fact, in the passage we asked you to turn to, Jonah chapter 2, Verse 9, this is Jonah having the conversation with God. Here's what he finally says after three days in the belly of the whale. But I, Jonah says, with a song of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. You get the moment. He's just saying, okay, God, look, all right, yeah, I'll go. I'm done. I'll go speak in Nineveh. What I promise, I'm just telling you, God, what I promised, I'm going to do it. It's interesting what God does next. <laughs> Verse 10, And the Lord commanded the fish to vomit Jonah onto dry land. You get the moment that Jonah was done with his sin, God was done making him swim in the deep end. And in that moment, as Jonah gets spit out onto dry land, think about this picture. Jonah had been heading toward Tarshish, but as he lands on Drager land, he has to turn around the opposite direction and now begin to retrace his steps back to where he should have been, which is an absolutely powerful picture of repentance. You get what repentance is. Repentance is saying, God, I was doing this, and now I'm going to do that. And we do 180s, and we begin to follow. Here's why this is big. For some of us, for some of us, the stress that we're experiencing in our life right now, the flailing of our arms, the, the absolute panic that's going on in our lives, you, you get the moment that if you and I were going to just be really honest, if you and I were just going to speak truth to one another, you, you and I would go, no, I know, I know. I know I've got an area of my life that I have said to God over and over and over again, no. And if Jesus were sitting on the other side of my coffee table, and if someone was to say to him, hey, what's the one thing you wish your child would take care of in there? I know that answer. And you get why you're stressed right now? You get why you're swimming in the deep end of life? Here's why. Because your heavenly Father has just knelt down in front of you and said, you're not going to understand what I'm getting ready to do. And the truth is, you're probably going to be a little terrified. But I just want you to remember, I love you because we're going to learn to swim. And that the most powerful thing you and I could do in this moment of stress I'm done. 
Are there other times? Are there other moments in which our Heavenly Father tosses His children into the deep end of the pool? Yeah. It's moments in our lives when you and I decide we're done growing. When you and I go, look, 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 look. Here, here, look. I'm pretty content being a toddler Christian. I'm, here, here's the deal. I've got just enough God in my life to be helpful to my life, but not so much God in my life that it's causing me to do any serious sacrificing or have to live at any really high level. So look, here's, here's the deal. I'm pretty happy being a toddler Christian. And don't be surprised if your heavenly father kneels down in front of you and says, look, we're just done with this conversation. And, and you've been a toddler spiritually far too long. Time to swim. Matter of fact, grab your Bibles this morning. Go with me to Romans chapter 8. It's, it's a verse that a whole bunch of us in this room are probably really, really familiar with. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Matter of fact, it's some of our, in this room, favorite verse. We love to quote this to other people when they're going through problems. We just hate it when any Christian quotes it to us. Then we want to smack them. Romans chapter 8, verse 20. Anyone know what it says? Romans 8, verse 28. Oh, good. This will be new to you then. Okay. All right. No. All right, here we go. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Here's what it says. And we know that in all things, you're going, oh, I remember this one. That we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, see, look, we love that verse, right? I mean, that's a cool verse because here's, here's what we, we get from that. As we go, look, if, if God's going to work all things to my good, I mean, it may be turning out bad right now. Maybe, maybe right now nothing's adding up. But, but what that verse is saying is that eventually I get the promotion, Right? I mean, I mean it, look, my relationship may be an absolute, but eventually they decide they love me. You know, I, my finances may be an absolute ruin, but eventually I'm a millionaire. I mean, because isn't that what that verse says? And the reason you and I are confused is because we read verse 28 and we skip over verse 29. And verse 29 changes everything everything in the conversation. So let's go back. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Now verse 29, for God foreknew, he knew what was getting ready to happen, he knew what the future looked like, and he also predestined, he decided ahead of time where we were going to go, how that was going to happen. He also predestined, ready? Next phrase. For you and I to be conformed to the likeness of his son. So get the moment. God's not saying that he's working everything to our good so that our retirement portfolio adds up when we turn 65. That's not what he said. He didn't say that although that relationship is crumbling and falling apart now, don't worry about it because I'm going to restore the relationship. He didn't say that. He didn't say that he's there to make you and I prosper or to make you and I comfortable. Jesus, when he dies, doesn't have two pennies to rub together. That's not the win. What he says is the win is this. 
that when I get done with whatever you're going through, whatever circumstance you're living in, you'll look more like Jesus when I'm done than when you started. Not that you'll have more money, not that you'll have more fame, not that you'll have more success. You'll look more like my son. And God says, that's the good. That's the win that I promise you. See, truth be told, if you and I are going to look more like Jesus, we may need to lose the house. Because in that moment, suddenly you and I understand, wow, I've had more of my security and more of my faith tied up in some bricks and mortar than I have in my God. See, in order for you and I to look like Jesus, that relationship may need to end. Because at the end of the day, you and I say, I loved my girlfriend more than I loved my Lord. How many of you got gold on today? How many have some gold on? No, everyone's going, what, what? Is he going to ask us to put it in the offering plate? No, no, come on. Okay, so how many have got some gold on? All right. How many wish you had gold on? All right. You get that when you find gold out in nature, when you, when you do mining, gold isn't like what you and I wear as jewelry. Matter of fact, the truth is gold as you first mine it up is pretty rough, pretty full of yuck, impurities in it. And so what every jeweler has to do to make it ready for jewelry is they have to melt the gold down. And an interesting thing happens when you melt gold. Gold is usually heavier than all the crud that's in it. And so what happens when you melt it is that all the impurities, all the yuck of gold begins to come to the top. And then the jeweler then takes and scrapes over the top of the pot and all the stuff comes up. And all you're left with is the pure gold. The reality, as he's doing his scraping, sometimes you lose a little gold. But the worth of the purified gold is so exponentially higher that it's worth losing a little gold in the process. See, you, you get that what God is saying in this moment is, the worth of you becoming like my son Jesus Christ is, what, is worth whatever you lose in the scraping. That look, 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 if, if at the end of the day, I decide to let you get discovered. If at the end of the day, the person who didn't work as hard as you and didn't accomplish as much as you gets promoted above you, so that in that moment, you realize, boy, I have been absolutely self-consumed. And that dross begins to come to the top. If in the moment you lose the boyfriend, that all of a sudden you realize, I, I was actually more devoted to him than I was to my Lord. And God says, at the end of the day, I'll teach you things. You will grow that you couldn't have grown if I hadn't melted you. Ready? If I hadn't brought things that stressed you in your life. 
the junk would have never come to the top. Some of you guys know my story. You know that as a kid growing up, my baby sister, Diane, had autism, and she had autism back in the day when the doctors didn't even believe autism was a real thing. You'd, you'd go in and say, hey, we read this book, and they'd say, no, 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 that's junk psychology stuff. And It was interesting because I was growing up, and my parents had divorced, and we were, we were poor out of our minds. I mean, we were like church mice, and, and then on top of that, my baby sister is autistic. And, and I'm going to tell you very honestly, when you're a young man and your parents are divorced and there is no money and your baby sister's autistic, your conversations with God are something like, so tell me how this is fair. T tell me how this balances out. Tell me how you're in control right now. When I'd bring friends over to the house, my baby sister, would Diane, would come running in the room and she'd scream, hi, and then she'd slug my friends as hard as she could. That was just kind of, that was welcome to the winter's house. Uh, I'd have to go to my friends and say, look, okay, so get ready because when I open the door, Diane's going to come running around the corner. When she says, hi, don't shake her hand, okay? Just run for my room, okay? I'm just going to tell you as a young man, that's embarrassing. You know what I didn't know at the time? I, I didn't know that my God was looking at a young man that one day he was going to place in ministry. And what he saw was an absolutely selfish, self-driven, highly competitive. Can I tell you that I can turn tiddlywinks into a death match? Highly competitive young man. Who thought that people were there just so you could beat them. And then God gave me a little sister with autism. Who every time you walked in the room needed patience. <laughs> who needed mercy every day of her life. When Diane died when she was 16, she was in a drowning accident. I stood at the grave of my baby sister and I said to my family these words, I believe Diane was born for me. Because God knew I would never learn the lessons of life I needed to know without Diane. See, is it possible? Is it possible that your heavenly Father has tossed you in the deep end? Because you will never learn what you need to learn next. You'll, you'll never learn how impatient you are. You'll never learn how selfishly motivated you are. You'll never learn how deeply you're hating your mother. You'll never get it if you're not in the deep end. And what if the deep end is where you and I learn to be like Jesus? Is it possible? Is it possible that the things that are stressing you and I out the most in our life are actually a loving father teaching you to swim? I think of Jaden <laughs> flailing in the pool and then swimming to the side. And I, think, I think, 
what if he had understood his father? I mean, what, what if in that moment he had grasped what was happening, that his father was saying, look, 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 there's a pool in our backyard, and if you don't learn to swim, you're going to spend a lifetime in danger, and I'm just not willing for that to happen to you, and we've, and we've waited long enough, and we've worked on this en enough, and you're just refusing, and in your, in your refusal, Jaden, I love you enough to teach you to swim. So you're not going to understand what I'm about, but we're going to swim today. See, I, I, I think it still would have been terrifying, and I think it still would have been scary, but I, I, if he could have grasped that, I think when he gets out of the pool, maybe he doesn't look at Dad the same way. Maybe. Maybe he even thanks his dad for teaching him to swim. And what if you and I understood the moment when God thrusts us into the deep end of the pool? We might even thank our Heavenly Father for teaching us to swim. Let's bow our heads. I'm just going to ask you, I'm just going to ask you with your heads bowed and just a moment to yourselves to say, is it possible? Is it possible that the very things which are most stressful, most out of control, most chaotic in your life are actually God saying to you, look, We've had this conversation long enough. You know, you know that you have a place in your life that has absolutely lived in disobedience to me, and I've tried to talk to you about it, I've tried, and your answer has been no. And so I'm simply doing whatever I have to do to get your attention. I, I'm tossing you in the deep end of the pool because we're going to learn to swim. And we're going to do this till your answer is yes. For some of us in this room, is, is it possible that the reason you and I are in the deep end of the pool is that God is teaching you right now things that you would have never learned any other way in your life? And God's using the worst circumstances, moments that just are melting you, to bring the crud to the top so he can scrape it off. So in the end, he can make you more like Jesus. And if that's it, praise God for a heavenly father who loves us enough to throw us in the deep end. Dear Lord Jesus, we just come before you right now and God, as, as weird as this sounds, as strange as it sounds, thank you. Thank you for loving us enough that, that in those moments of life when we just kind of sit down in our faith and Say, I'm done. I'm just going to hang on to the edge of the pool. Thank you for a heavenly father who says, no, 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 no. Today's the day we learn to swim. And you may not understand what I'm about to do, and you may be deeply angry with me, but just remember I love you in the deep end of the pool. Thank you. In Jesus' name.